the volume. All right, welcome to another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. We are giving you a Knicks reaction video. I am fresh out of game one at the Garden. As you know, if you don't know, I am also hosting a betting show on MSG Networks called The Better Half Hour. So thanks to MSG, I get phenomenal access at the Garden. I've been there for every game in Knicks Cavs. Was there game one for Knicks Heat. Sat up in the press booth after I watched shoot around took a lot of notes. Now, going to talk to you about what I saw, both as a fan, both as a, a person studying the game, and a little bit from a betting angle. As you know, I am all in on the bets, and I was all in on the New York Knicks. They closed at minus five in game one, around 210.5 on the over-under. The under hit by a point, 108-101, and of course, the Heat win in a fascinating, riveting way at the end. And let's just talk this out, set the scene, right? Of course, Nick's Heat. Who wasn't there? I mean, just to set the celebrity scene for you, Aaron Rodgers in the building saw Alex Rodriguez. You had the Jonas Brothers, of course, the Michael J. Foxes, the Chris Rocks, the Ben Stillers, the consummate New York Knicks pro. So everybody, Jack Harlow in the building to show up. That's how you know the New York Knicks are humming. But Again, I've been in the arena for Rangers. I've been in the arena for Knicks. The Knicks faithful, the Knicks fans, it was, and I talked to some New York diehards here that have been born and raised and lived in the garden. It was not the same jump on your jugular Cleveland energy, just being in the Mecca feeling. And coming out the gate, you loved exactly what this New York team does and again they are a top five at home cover from a betting perspective they win the first quarter often they cover the first quarter often and you look at the first quarter really first half and i'm gonna i'm gonna break eye contact here and, and go over some of my notes but starts out with a humble five nothing lead for the heat and you watched a little mini costco sample in that first bucket because it was a three in transition to gabe vincent who had far and away the player of the game, I would imagine, ball in that Spolstra locker room, led all scorers there. But it was an interesting matchup, coaching angle, how they came out. They came out, Spolstra, putting Jimmy Buckets on Brunson, which I found very interesting. And as soon as, and you know Miami, they run a lot of sets. They run a lot of, on offense, backdoor screens, double screens, guys without the ball, a lot of smoke and mirrors, a little Rip Hamilton kind of Reggie Miller type off ball shooting guards things things going on of, of the sorts because again this is a heat team that has six seven guys that can knock down the three and you saw it and that was really the story of today's game I mean you had Love and Struess with two Gabe had five Lowry had three and Caleb Martin had one Obi Toppin had four and three Knicks had one three so we'll talk out the threes in a second but in that first quarter where the Knicks really gave you what they are and this was a game without Randall so just knowing it's stylistic, I've been watching this team all year, when they don't have Randall typically, and, and Randall's one of the best first quarter prolific scores in our league. He is typically around seven and a half, eight and a half on points in the first quarter. Just putting that there to let you know, they lean on him a lot in the first quarter. But in this first quarter, 
It was R.J. Barrett, and R.J. Barrett could not have started out this game any better. We're talking six for seven, 13 points, three dimes, and they could not match up with him. Matter of fact, you put Struess on him, R.J. was putting him in a body bag. You put anybody pretty much, until Spolstra ironically put Lowry into the mix a little bit on R.J. because he's, you know, a little thicker, a little slower center to gravity, kind of kind of mucking him up a little and forcing R.J. to shoot those contested outside jumpers. They did not have an answer for R.J. Barrett out the gate, but Brunson, just from all things equal, I thought did a very good job in this game in the beginning of the first quarter, dealing with the different defensive matches. I didn't really expect Spolster to come out and put Jimmy Buckets on this floor general for the New York Knicks. But let's talk out what Miami is in this series. And I think from a betting perspective, there's a lot of value here because in that first half, in that second quarter, you could have grabbed the Heat plus eight and a half, plus 300. Matter of fact, I saw him go up to plus nine and a half at minus 120 juice. Not to bog it down with betting on this, but this is not only a sport that is a game of swings, but Miami, similar stylistically to this New York Knicks team, is a club that does not give up, is a club that is constantly making coaching adjustments. Perfect example. After one, the Knicks are shooting 58% from the field. 58. Miami's shooting 25 Furthermore, Miami takes 17 first quarter three attempts, 17, and they're down 32-21 after one. This is when you're starting to look at a four and a half, five line and say the bookmakers knew that the Knicks were going to come out and do this. Furthermore, you get wrapped with a first quarter and most clubs I would imagine in the garden, and this is from a betting perspective and a fan perspective watching this series where the New York Knicks fans really can make an impact. But what did Spolstra do in between the first quarter and the second? He comes out and goes into a zone. So he comes out like high school basketball with it and says, Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, I dare you, I beg you to shoot a three. So that he come out in a zone, luring the Knicks to shoot these threes. Highsmith comes out to start the second quarter, believe it or not. And it was a very lackluster opening to that second quarter for the Knicks. Six points in the first four or five minutes there, which wasn't great. And then... You started to see it a little bit with Mitchell Robinson down low. He was starting to get the best of Bam. Hartenstein was pretty good plus minus as well uh, when he was out there with impactful minutes. Not a stat stuffer, but again, they start to bring in a Cody Zeller because of Mitch Rob. Then you start getting 43-34 with it with 430 left. And the Knicks still looking good. But again, a wise man once told me, I work with John Henson. He says these last two minutes of the first half and the, the end of the game are everything. And here you have it. Here you have it. Four minutes left in the first half. It's all Knicks. Miami's 5 of 22 from three, shooting 27%. And then you watch Brunson cook Lowry. Nova on Nova, Jay Wright crime. How you doing? You get 15 with Brunson by half, and the Knicks are still up five. Now, from a betting perspective, just pointing this out, we're talking about a 55-50 halftime score. It's 105 total. 210.5 is the line on the over-under. And 
four and a half, five is the line on the game. But this is where you have to ask yourself, betting-wise, fan-wise, if you're not a Knicks or a Heat fan, but you're just looking at the stats, the Knicks are shooting 55% from the field at halftime. The Heat are shooting 38%. Furthermore, the Heat are 7 for 23. 7 for 23 at a 30% clip. So they did improve a little bit after the first quarter. But still, 7 for 23 isn't anything to write home about, I would say, for how prolific this team could be from three. Yet they kept shooting. Knicks first half three-pointers, 3 of 16, 18%. Here comes the second half. Now, I want to take a quick second to point this out because there's a betting angle here particularly at the garden that i found valuable and again i'm a knicks homer here a little bit but this knicks crowd and it's the same thing in la i lived there for seven years went to a lot of laker games for some reason in these celebrity-esque crowds the garden staples crypto now whatever halftime happens and everybody thinks it's a hamilton broadway play halftime intermission this isn't a Larry David go outside and listen to someone whistling and get in a little stop and chat and maybe a hot and bothered problem. This isn't a time to go get MSG popcorn and fill up your soda pop. Sit in your seat, do your job, which is go ballistic as a fan and get in the Heat's head. And this is not the Cleveland Cavs. You saw it. The Heat are battle-tested. The Heat have championship pedigree. Half these dudes have been to the finals. Some of these guys have won a ring, Kyle Lowry. So you watch the second half. This is what I'm getting at. No one in the first section, forget courtside, the whole first Level 100 is gutted. Everyone in the Delta Lounge, you could hear a pin drop. I could get my meditation in my morning session to start the third quarter in the garden. What happens? Struess comes down and hits two threes to start the third. The live betting switches in a New York minute. And again, the Heat first basket was a three and then a Kevin Love and one. And yes, it was 6-6 six, six to start the third. But slowly and surely you started to watch it and this is miami and again i'm not super in the weeds on you know because i'm watching so much i'm i'm not always watching half court sets and the plays they run but i did take a little bit of notes and paid attention particularly in that third quarter where miami won the game outscoring the next 31 20 they miami was so willing to be versatile with who brought the ball up. I saw anyone from Vincent to Lowry to Buckets to Adebayo at the top of the key. And when Adebayo would have the rock, you would watch Lowry, Butler. They would be flying around, setting off ball screens. And of course, they're doing that for their shooters, the Struces, the Martins, the Vincents. But when you started to see these guys and they just do it so well so methodically and most teams like Bickerstaff who literally the garden got in his noggin would have probably completely adjusted what did Spolstra do he went right back to what they were doing and this is to me the series stylistically I do believe the Knicks have more talent I really do and not tonight not in game one with no Randall <laughs> I didn't even say that yet Julius Randall didn't play didn't play and this game was what it was. So I'll get to that as I wrap up here in a second. But you look at Miami after the third, they're now shooting 44% from the field. They outscore, obviously, by 11. And here's the thing. 
they hit their best three-point output in that quarter. They hit five threes. Now, they're still 12 for 33 after the third quarter, but you're watching it. He'd go up 74-66. Now you got the Knicks plus 165, plus four and a half. You're starting to look at it. And just from a live betting perspective, the value. You could have in this game, just a quick pit stop, could have taken the Heat plus eight and a half and the Knicks plus seven and a half and cashed both outright. So pay attention to the live betting. But the Knicks, again, in the third quarter, which was the game, two of 13 from three. And it's very disappointing from a betting perspective, taking the Knicks, and then also from a coaching perspective, because again, Tibbs is not going to outcoach Spolstra like he did Bickerstaff. But to watch what Miami did adjustments-wise as we get into the fourth here, and the Knicks go down 87-78, they're plus 340 live. We're starting to watch these, these guys get open. And then you got Knicks playing catch-up ball. And then you start to listen to how the crowd gets. And this is not a normal NBA crowd. This is a Knicks town that remember a New York faithful that booed Eli more at home than he was booed on the road. So, you know, not that boos were were prevalent in that in that fourth quarter. The Knicks weren't getting the whistle. I'm not going to be one of those guys. There were a couple egregious calls. But then taking you all the way to five minutes to play. Jimmy Butler in a 95-92 game. And, and you got to credit Josh Hart. A couple of plays where he really Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler rolls his ankle with five minutes to play in a one-two possession game. And you're seeing Butler can no longer guard Brunson with the ankle. Furthermore, you watch Jimmy Butler float into the corner and not sting like a bee the rest of the game. Jimmy Butler was in this game that could have went either way with five minutes to play people as a decoy. You saw it on your ESPN programs. I saw it from the mezzanine in the press box. Now, this is the problem with this Knicks team down the stretch without a Julius Randle. RJ hit his quota, and you're now asking RJ to go into overtime mode. Bill from office space, we're going to need you to come in on Saturday and give us 30 and 10. And RJ just could not get that gear. OB Toppin was playing out of his mind. Furthermore, this was a club that in that moment with five minutes to play, I just don't think knew where to go for offense. And that is the Knicks without Julius Randle. Now, you would look at that end of the game where you would see Jimmy Butler, and that was a long, long commercial break. The garden changed. And again, he might have gone a little Italy Serie A with it and rolled around Ted Lasso, a nice little Emmy Award winning there. It looked like he really hurt himself. But the fact that the Knicks, with the star of the heat down, and not able to guard your best player didn't go to Brunson nearly as much as they should have was very, very debilitating and frustrating. And Brunson had a, had a very good game as far as numbers. 25-5-7 and seven is Brunson-esque. But he didn't drive at the end of the game the way I would have liked. Probably took one too many threes. Again, this game came down to the Heat making those volume threes by the end of the game that they just kept putting up and the Knicks not playing their game. That to me is what game one was. And again, X's and O's wise, not going to go into the weeds with you too, too much more, 
but just from afar and from up close, a Knicks team that chose to go off script and not impose their will and not really lean on their their leaders at the end. I mean, Brunson not being guarded by Butler, who cooked Lowry earlier. No, there was like one or two instances where Brunson had the ball at the end of the game and just deferred, and it was it was very frustrating. RJ stripped at the rack with two minutes to play was pretty much the dagger, and here you go. I, I mean, now wrapping it up and looking ahead to game two, this is a Heat team that really came in and didn't waver despite getting knocked around in the boxing ring in the first six. I mean, the Knicks won the first half. They won. They certainly won the first quarter. You're up 11, and, and that was a, that was really what was was the tell tall tell sign here is that this Knicks team really did a lot of the little things. I mean, Mitch Robb had more offensive rebounds than than your favorite rebounder's favorite rebounder in that closeout game against the Cavs. He had 11 offensive rebounds. The Heat, outside of rebounding, which you know the Knicks are going to have the edge in the series, had more steals. More blocks, more assists, less turnovers. And the Knicks just kept shooting threes. They're not falling. When you watch as a Knicks fan, R.J. Barrett, neglect to go to the rack. He did a great job doing it, particularly in the first half. And shoot contested threes. It makes you want to pull your fro out. So, where do we sit now? We sit with the Knicks at plus 138 to win the series. We sit with the Heat minus 164. At the moment, pending where you shot, this is a six-point line for game two of this series. Six and a half, actually. Heat plus 210, over-under has not been purchased. Look, Randall did, doesn't look like he's sitting out game two. From a betting perspective, just from an overall reaction perspective, I do not think the Knicks need to panic. I think Miami really only has one way to beat you. Shooting volume threes and trying to coax you into a game that isn't your style. And to Spolster's credit, you get sauced in quarter one. You come out in a zone in quarter two. You're throwing three, four, five guys at Brunson. You're making adjustments. You're moving guys around. You're giving different players the rock to bring it up. And again, this Heat team doesn't really care, egoless-wise, how they get it done. They just get it done. And so wrapping up, I think pay attention to how the first quarter goes. I would already say I am going to lock in the Knicks to win the first quarter. I expect them to win the first quarter, win the first half. This is going to be a completely different game. Julius Randle comes in to game two. It's going to be a slower pace. Now, the under hit, if you hit under 210 by a point, I don't really have a feel on over-under in this game. I think it does embody some, ni some 90s Knicks heat style. I would say the play is, of course, the Knicks. This is a must-win game. Now, I think the Heat told themselves they had to win game one. No Julius Randle. If you can't beat the Knicks in game one, on the road or at home, regardless, without Julius Randle, you got to be thinking psychologically you're not going to win the series. But they do win game one. They win the coaching matchup. And quite frankly, they stuck a lot better than the Knicks did to their style of play. And that was the game. So that's about it for me. I think if you have not fired on the series yet, Knicks plus 138 is a huge, 
gorgeous line of fire on. Remind yourselves, this Knicks team was only around where the Heat are, minus 164-ish, before this series started. It tells you, both on the series line and Game 2's line, Vegas is not panicking. I think this shows you this is a six-game series minimum and really probably going the Seabiscuit distance. But the Knicks just have to take better care of the ball and they have to play their game. You have to go bully ball, 90s with it, embody Patrick Ewing and those boys in the garden to win this next game. If you start playing shot for shot with Miami, you're not going to win the game. You're going to get rolled, matter of fact. So this is on coaching adjustments and this is going to be on a Knicks team to stay in it and the Knicks faithful the fans very last thing I'll say need to not go to get popcorn at halftime sit down don't go anywhere because the beginning of the third quarter with half the crowd gone to me was enormous appreciate you listening we are on Amazon amp all week Moneyline Monaco, of course, on social across all platforms under Moneyline Monaco. I'll be back for a Knicks reaction for game two. I will also be at the Garden throwing up some clips as well. Appreciate my guy Matt joining me on the ones and twos. Don't forget to hug your mothers. Little Knicks reaction coming off a of Garden. Game one loss. We are down, but we're not out. We'll see you for game two. The volume.